to episode eight of Mountain Bike Talk SA. My name is Brad Brown, the host of the show. It's good to have you on board. Thanks a lot for downloading and listening to this weekly podcast aimed specifically at the South African mountain biking scene. And what a week it's been, eh? Uh, World Champs concluding down in Peter Maritzburg. And uh, yeah, Sunday's action concluding with Greg Minar winning that World Championship title for the third time, second year in a row. And what a place to do it. It's on his own back doorstep uh, at the Cascades. And very, very chuffed to actually have Greg on the show this week. So uh, yeah, got a, a short little interview with him straight after the race. And uh, also something that happens, uh, I, you may or may not know, but I host a, a radio show on SAFM. Uh, weekly, and uh, one of my correspondents was at the Cascades Mountain Bike Park. Dave McLeod was there, and uh, I managed to clip the little bit that happened on air as Greg was coming down the hill, uh, and then the moments after as well, just with the crowd vibe and everything, and I thought you might like to hear that if you didn't get to catch uh, it on the radio this weekend. I sat on air with goosebumps just uh, hearing Dave describe that action. So that's coming up. I also caught up with Dave uh, after the fact, just to get a bit of a roundup as to what happened at the Cascades this weekend with regards to the South African competitors and whether they'd be happy or disappointed with their performance this weekend. And then finally this week too, I caught up with Ian Hoy of the Northern Farm, uh, probably one of the biggest mountain biking sort of, I don't want to say parks because it's not really a park, but uh, one of the biggest mountain biking areas in Gauteng. So many people ride out there every single weekend. And uh, I spoke to Ian a little bit about how it got going and, and, and sort of how it's run, where the funding comes from and, and that sort of thing. And they've also got a great rider development program there as well, which we, we spoke quite a bit about. So that's all coming up on this week's show. Really hope you do enjoy it. Before we get into this week's show, though, don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, you can. You can follow us on Twitter at MTBTalkSA. You can also like us on Facebook. Just look for or go to Facebook.com forward slash MTBTalkSA, or you can pop me an email as well, podcast at MTBTalkSA. Without further ado, let's get straight into this week's show, and we kick things off with Dave McLeod describing Greg Minar coming down that hill at Cascades on Sunday. And it is a big, big afternoon for South Africa. Greg Minar about to come down that downhill course. Dave McLeod, you are at the Cascades. What's the vibe like there this afternoon? Greg Minar is at the bottom of the course. Now he's chasing a 358. If he wants to dislodge McKenna from the hot seat, there's about 10,000 people packed around the course. 355, 356, 357, 357. Greg Minar is in the hot seat. 358.058. And the crowd goes bananas. Greg Menard, uh, he's posted the fastest time, two riders left up on the hill, 
can they dislodge the Maritzburg homeboy? He's, he's been dreaming about this for years. He won the World Championship last year. He won the World Cup here last year. Uh, and, uh, of course, winning the World Championship in his hometown is going to be something which is going to be hugely significant for him right now. So completely out of touch, like all the downhillers are right now. Uh, he's heading up to the hot seat, which is situated just alongside the finish here. And now it's all eyes on the hill as Steve Smith of Canada starts his four minutes down the track. Oh, and he's down! Steve Smith is down! Steve Smith is down! That's it! Overs, Cadovers for him. So there's only one more man on the hill who could possibly challenge Greg Menard and a place in South African sporting history. Let's head back to Peter Maritzburg now. Dave McLeod uh, at the Cascades. Greg Menard still in the hot seat. Man, the tension here is unbearable. Greg Menard is in the hot seat. He's sitting up there, but like the ten or 15,000 people here, nobody is breathing. It's dead quiet at the moment because G. Atherton from Great Britain, uh, part of the Atherton Brothers, just a combination that are just such a class active world downhilling, is screaming down the hill. He went through the split times at the top of the course, and that's good news right now for Greg Menard because right now he's slower than Greg Menard, and there's a big people over Greg Menard's face. He's all but done it. Can G. Atherton do something spectacular in the bottom? He's coming into the moneymaker, and this is where the crowd is thick on the stand. The crowd has got wind of the fact that the split is slower. They know Peter Maritzburg, Craig Menard, is about to become the world champion 2013. G. comes into the big hip jump before they head into the moneymaker. A big course jump designed to really separate the men from the boys. He's pedaling hard. He's 353, 354. The crowd sniffs victory in the air for Greg Menard. Here comes Atherton, 58, 59, he's going to be slower. Greg Menard is the world champion. Greg Menard stands up and salutes the crowd. And the crowd goes crazy. G. Atherton is going to finish up seventh overall. But Menard has realized a lifelong dream by winning the world championship in his own His podium is being mobbed by well-wishers. The crowd fencing is just not doing its job. Uh, he's being absolutely mobbed by fans. And richly he deserves it. He's been a Marisburg boy who's raced this game from being a motocross rider. He's been committed to downhilling, gone through ups and downs, but really has been one of the pace hitters. And if you speak to the downhillers, they'll also say he's one of the real good guys of the sport. Um, and it's making it so much more emotional. Fist pumps into the air. Now he's staged down into the crowd of seething fans. Whoa, are they going to be big parties in Marisburg tonight? There we are. A they, new South African sporting icon has taken it to a new level. Greg Menard, world champion at home in 2013. Dave McLeod, that is superb. I, I'm sitting here with goosebumps, and I'm sure everybody sitting around the country is doing exactly the same, describing the action, and Greg Menard wins it. Uh, there was another South African in the field as well. Needles, how did he go today? Yeah, Needles do good. I mean, Needles going to finish up about 20. I haven't seen the final shake-up um, but really did good. And some of the younger guys like Tim Bentley, uh, Tion Urdendahl raced out of their boots today. Um, you know, there was a field of about 85 riders here and a big chunk of our youngsters uh, and needles um, will, will have, you know, comfortably ensconced themselves in the top 30 in the world out of 80 quality riders here. So really a, a great day for, for downhilling. Uh, and it's been a great day for mountain biking generally. You know, earlier today the crowd witnessed uh, and eliminate it for the first time. It's a very new discipline at the World Champs, but it's super spectator-friendly. Um, it, it's literally a 900-meter track, and the, the slowest two out of every four in every heat get cold. So very spectator-friendly, very tight, lots of action, uh, and the crowd left that up in chunks. Um, so it's been a great day for, uh, for the mountain bike fans here. 
huge crowd that turned out to see what's been a historic day. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, I'm just blown away. I mean, I spoke to Greg a, a few weeks ago and he was cool, calm and collected and, and, and the amount of pressure that was on him going into this championship uh, was, was phenomenal and he's just, he's just handled it like the, the consummate professional that he is. I think it's a great performance and, and what this is going to do for South African mountain biking, in particular uh, downhill, uh, th- those rewards will only be reaped years from now. I mean, you talk about those youngsters that have performed well in a world-class field. Uh, yeah, this, this performance from Greg Minai is just, just something else, isn't it? Yeah, the emotion's really kicking in right now. You know, Greg just uh, given his girl a hug, and his, his mum's on site. His dad, who you probably know, is a, um, not, who is a big driving force behind the Comrades Marathon Association for all these years. This time last year, his dad was critically ill in hospital, and Greg Minow won that World Cup knowing that his dad was watching it all from his, his bed in ICU uh, with a specially rigged up monitor so that he could see his son do it. Um, you know, so a huge, I think the emotion is kicking into Greg now. You can suddenly see it. Uh, the wind has been taken out of his sails. Well, straight after that amazing bit of action on Sunday, Dave McLeod caught up with Greg Minar right after uh, he was crowned world champion, and, and this is what he had to say. It's, it's still hard to believe that um, it's a world championship. You know, you come here and you've got all your family and friends and, and really the whole of South Africa, yeah, and supporting and... Uh, to have won it and uh, to be crowned world champion in, in your your birthplace and the city you live in, it's, uh, it's very, very special. From the minute 2013 in Maritzburg was confirmed, you must have realized, oops, this is going to be a big one and this is always going to carry super pressure. It it definitely did and, and my whole year was um, geared for this race. You know, I went to a lot of World Cups worrying about getting injured for this race and uh, when I arrived here, yeah, semi-healthy, um, it was a good sign. Um, we've done a lot of work with um, with Lawrence, just uh, working on my my hip and my right quad, and um, trying to get fined for that that heavy pedal. But that breeze today definitely um, made it tough um, on everyone. Just talk us through your race because it it, it really wasn't a hundred percent race, and you weren't a hundred percent going into it. No, I th- you know I started off well and I nailed that first section, um, and from then on I just went super hard. But there's a couple of corners where you've got to carry some good speed out of it and and I I didn't know you know I was a bit nervous and I was riding a bit tight and uh, I just you know I knew I was pedaling hard to to get back up to speed because I wasn't carrying it when I hit that pedaling section it uh, I definitely felt it you know my legs hadn't felt that that burn in in a long time but um, I pushed through I had to sit down twice which which I shouldn't have but uh I had to. I was just really, really stuffed, and uh, going to that finish area, and everyone was going nuts. So I knew I was in for a chance. I um, tried to hit that last rock section as quick as I could, and and must have pinched the the rear wheel, the rear tire, and coming to the last straight, I knew it was going down. So I came off the the last jump and and kind of pitched the bike in as straight as I could, aimed it for the line, and just went for it. And uh, it's kind of odd, you know. I had a feeling I was going to punch it today. <laughs> It's one of those courses that, if you really push it, is going to take you into a dark place. And it sounds like you went right there. Definitely did, you know. And I had to push hard. You've got the whole of Peter Marisburg that were here. And definitely the whole country was backing me. And, of course, just at the back of my mind, this, this race is for a friend we lost earlier this year. Um, and uh, you've got to dig deep from those situations. The emotion that was welling around at the finish, particularly at the podium when, when medal time came, uh, you know it means a lot to a lot of people. It definitely does, and, and I think that was the, the hardest thing. You know, I've got to, 
I, I put that weight on my shoulders and uh, I try to, you know, deal with it as best I could. And I'm, I'm just glad to have come out on top. Well, this weekend down in Peter Maritzburg, it all wrapped up. It's something that's been sort of uh, worked towards and, and looked sort of towards over the last couple of years. It's It's been a, a lot of excitement and it's, I don't know about you, but I almost feel deflated now that it's over. But it was a, a great weekend and great two weeks of mountain biking down in Peter Maritzburg. And it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Dave McLeod, who was uh, down there the whole two weeks and, and just following the action. Dave, welcome onto Mountain Bike Talk SA. Thanks for your time. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Dave, it was a, it was an amazing couple of weeks of mountain biking, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think you know your point is such a good one. You know, we actually need to take stock of just what has happened. You know, it, it went at 100 miles an hour once it started. Uh, the Masters preceding it, which was a world first, it's the first time that the Masters has ever been bolted onto the elite, and then made it uh, probably the biggest mountain biking event that's ever happened on planet Earth. Uh, because the cross-country is recognized as the biggest, but if you bolt on the Masters, it's never happened before. Uh, and for South Africa and for Africa to stage it for the first time with those two events side by side, uh, and then to stage the elite cross-country and trials um, in that week, and to have everybody, I mean, Pat McQuaid, who's the UCR president, walked away, walked away from Peter Marisburg saying, wow, guys, that was real good. Uh, the riders loved it. Uh, it was fantastically well-supported. It's been goosebump stuff and I think you're right you actually need to take a couple of steps back and realize just what has been pulled off by the event organizers and by cycling so it, it really is a big feather in their caps yeah I mean over the last few weeks here on the show I mean I chatted to, to Max Kluwer last week to give us a sort of update on what happened after the uh, the masters and, and the age groupers and, and, and that sort of thing had wrapped up I also spoke to Charles Roberts from KZN Mountain Biking about the great work that they're doing down in, in KZN and in particular around that Cascades uh, Park but I wanted to touch base with you just to get a, a sort of wrap of what happened this weekend with, with the elites. There were a lot of Africans that, that uh, we were hoping would, would perform really well. Some did better than others. Uh, and, and obviously the big one, just to wrap things up, I mean, it, it sort of speaks for itself. But from, from your perspective, I mean, was it a successful one as far as the South African elites go? Yeah, yes and no. Um, I think it really is critical that as the host nation, we were able to field that many riders. We, we, were, we were able to field an abnormally big team in all of the age divisions. And crucially, it gave more of our, our guys and girls a chance to ride against the world's best. Uh, and if you go back and look at the weekend and you look at the way Julie Brisset and, uh, um, and uh, Nino Schurter rode, I mean, those were imperious performances. Just to be on the same track at them, I mean, just to be lapped by those guys when they're going like that is a privilege. Uh, to be able to see the level at which they operate, to see the way, for example, what they call the Swiss Mafia, that Swiss mountain biking team is, is the likes which we never, ever see in this country. They are so well-drilled, so professional, so focused. Um, that they set such a high level for, for the sport that it, it's crucial that we get exposed to that. But to answer your, your very hard question very bluntly, I think it was a disappointing weekend uh, for, for Team SA. There were a lot of riders we were expecting to, um, you know, try and step into the void that's been left by Barry Stunder. You know, Woodfield Base be able to do it. Everybody was talking up about Raw Cruises' opportunity, Brendan David, Wood Mariska Strauss do it. Um, you know, we, we've got quite a lot of potential coming through that under-23 ranks in particular, which is boding well for the future. And uh, with, with, you know, with, with a few exceptions, they disappointed. I think they let themselves down, uh, whether it was mechanicals or, or crashes. Um, you know, you think to Paul Rourke Cruiser having his mechanical right on the start line under-23. I mean, he, he broke his chain before he even pedaled out of the start zone. Um, you know, and he was so swept away in the heat of the moment that he decided 
the logical thing to do would be to take off and run. So he ran three Ks in his cleats carrying his bike when he actually could have stayed in the technical zone and had it fixed there. So, I mean, what everybody was thinking would be a, a great challenge came to naught in the end. Um, you know, you have to look at Brendan himself, who was doing good. He was uh, 14th, 15th there or thereabouts when he had that terrible crash and popped his shoulder and landed up finishing with a dislocated shoulder um, and salvaging some dignity for the team. Um, Mariska having a great challenge in the uh, the Eliminator, uh, which is which was a first for us. We've never seen the Eliminator. She was riding beautifully. Um, where it just went pear on that last jump and she pegged her nose and had a horrific crash. So, you know, what could have been a great result for the woman there also came to naught. So I think a lot of our guys and girls are going to walk away uh, a little frustrated, but hopefully inspired us uh, enough to say, look, guys, we've got, we've got the marathon world at the same venue next year. So we can definitely reset our sights on that. But crucially, don't be downhearted. Let's target the 2014 cross-country world. Um, you know, pull ourselves towards ourselves and, and make sure that we can, you know, raise the bar for ourselves when it comes to the next world champs. Yeah, and, and the big the big sort of talking point out of this weekend was obviously the performance of, of Greg Minar. I played the little clip of, of you commentating for me on, on SAFM on, on Sunday and it was it was goosebump material and I mean that performance we, we spoke about it briefly on air on, on SAFM on Saturday well, on Sunday rather, but the amount of pressure that was on Greg Minar going into this weekend, especially with, with Barry Stunder having been killed earlier this year. Yeah. Everyone's hopes were, were on, on Greg, and, and I think he probably put a ton of pressure on himself too. I mean, I'd spoken to him in the build-up, and, and he had said to me that he, he wanted to do it for Barry, and, and everybody knew that. So it was just an amazing performance, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, and Greg being who he is, you know, anybody who knows Greg over the years will know that come race day, I mean, he's a lovely, laid-back, amenable, approachable sort of guy. Uh, that's why he's so popular. He, he's, he's an absolutely brilliant role model because he's so humble, down-to-earth, and so approachable. But come race day, he really does try to fly under the radar. You know, to be best prepared, uh, he tends to disappear. He'll do his training rides, and then he'll just, you know, disappear off the planet Earth and just focus himself. He can't do that in Maritzburg. I mean, he joked with me on, on Sunday morning where, when, when I popped into him just to say good luck, and he said, listen, I've got a one-minute chore. Every one-minute chore takes me an hour to do here because I can't go anywhere. Uh, and I feel for him. You know, he put the barrier pressure on himself. Uh, he put the Madiba pressure. Uh, you know, he, had the, he, he was riding for Madiba as much as he was riding for Barry. Um, he knows that by being a Maritzburg icon, that he was expected to deliver in, in the year that Marisburg was hosting the world champs. So, you know, he probably quadrupled the pressure that he put on himself. Uh, and, and if you look at the way he took off in, the, in, that, in that race, um, he, he was loose. Uh, he was sketchy. He, he will have remembered that he started too lightly last year um, and he had to be ahead on that first split. Um, and then, of course, you know, all the pressure, he goes and flats. 500 meters from the end of it and then has to try and keep it all together so um yeah i think the relief was probably the most overwhelming emotion probably more than joy than celebration uh when he finally got to the bottom and realized that nobody was going to be quicker than him yeah it was just a it was a phenomenal performance and and just to do it at home and 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 watching watching all his friends and family and and his 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 mom and dad there afterwards i mean it's an amazing amazing thing to be able to do it at home it's just yeah what what a great performance and and you're right he is one of the most laid back people you'll ever meet but what a nice what a nice oak yeah and for all that pressure i think he realized he delivered um you, you know the pressure of expectation not just locally on the course but around the country uh, was certainly huge on his shoulders, and I think that's what made it so rewarding for him in the end. You know, the big hug for his mom at the finish was very special. 
Um, and then he just got mobbed last night. I mean, he got properly mobbed. He had hardly got off the course and um, Steve Pete assaulted him with a massive bottle of champagne <laughs> and <laughs> he literally shot it straight into his face. And he was, you know, he was able to take and absorb all of it and, and really make the most of it. And I think uh, Greg being who Greg is uh, would have had a monster night out last night celebrating with now the city and the country that was really ready to celebrate with him. So I was going to say, is the One Life crew still partying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, the One Life, One Life crew uh, had a great weekend. Um, and and they, they were reeling people in. I must admit, um, Greg met up with a couple of journos uh, in the build-up to the event uh, and threatened that if he won, that they were all going to have to have compulsory One Life tattoos uh, somewhere on their body. <laughs> uh, and he, he actually singled those guys out by name when he had won the race. He said, listen, I've kept my side of the bargain. <laughs> the tattooist is coming. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dave McLeod, thank you so much for your coverage uh, this weekend as well. It was awesome. And thanks for catching up with us today. Uh, just to That's sort of wrap it. It's, I almost feel sad that it's over. That it, I, I, It's like the morning after Christmas. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah, it's going to be like a double Monday morning blues this yeah. morning. I want it back as well. Anyway, Dave, I uh, really appreciate your time, and we'll definitely catch up soon here on Mountain Bike Talk SO. Pleasure, anytime. Over the last few weeks here on Mountain Bike Talk SA, I've been trying to feature different trails in different parts of the country. And, and a few weeks ago, we had the, the guys on from the Table Mountain Bikers down in Cape Town. One of the big places where, where the guys and girls ride out in Joburg is the Northern Farm, which is uh, out near the Krugersdorp Pretoria Highway near Dipsluit. And I drive past it all the time and, and never really give it any thought as to how it came about or, or, or sort of who runs the thing. And I thought, you know what, let's, let's find out. And it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show this week. Ian Hoy, welcome onto Mountain Bike Talk. Yes, hey, thanks for your time today. Yeah, no, not a problem. Ian, you're involved with Northern Farm from a... It's, it's, <laughs> you were telling me before we started recording, you pretty much do a little bit of everything, but your official sort of title is you, you're in charge of, of sort of laying out the trails and, and, and upkeep and, and, and that and laying out new trails and that sort of thing at Northern Farm. Am I correct? Yeah, no, that's correct. That, that's kind of what I'm... Tend to do most of the time. Okay, tell me a little bit about Northern Farm. It's it's uh, who owns the land? How did it all sort of start as a as a as a place where where a lot of Joburgers go and ride their mountain bikes? Yeah. Well, it started oof, almost eight over eight years ago now. But Joburg Water actually owns the property, um, and it's actually officially called the Dipslurt Nature Reserve and proclaimed as a nature reserve. Um, we. The mountain biking side is, is run through a committee, which is called the Northern Farm Recreational User Group Committee. Now, that committee has a lease with Northern Farm to use the land for recreational activities. Um, there is also, Joburg Water also has a lease with a guy that farms on the land. So he does physical farming of grass, cattle, and he's going to bring some aquaculture into that as well soon. But yeah, we, we, we have that lease and we've just renewed that lease well, a year ago now for another five years. So we've got another four years of use of the land with that lease. I mean, some of the activities that take place on, on that farm, mountain biking is obviously one of them. What else is, is sort of done on the farm? Um, we also have the equestrian side, which is quite big. There's that whole section of the farm, which the guys hardly ever ride on, and every now and again we get permission to use it for races. Um, at one stage, it used to be one of the only um, Olympic-grade eventing courses in South Africa, for the equestrian side, so that that runs there quite well. 
Um, we've also got birding. There's quite a big birding activity that happens. Unfortunately, with the big fires that ripped through the farm about oof, nine months ago, all the bird hides were, were burnt down. Those we're currently negotiating with contractors to come in and rebuild those bird hides. So there's quite a few birders. Obviously, the mountain bikers see guys driving around in their cars every now and again or cars parked on the side of the road. Those are the birders looking out for their feathered variety of small whatevers. We also do, on that, have two breeding, uh, one breeding pair of fish eagles on the farm, if people didn't know. Oh, cool. And we also, yeah, no, we also have that, yeah, which every now and again you hear them call. People think that, did I hear that correctly? But it actually is, yeah, some fish eagles there. We've, we've also got um, something called dog sledding, uh, which happens. People bring their huskies and their dogs in winter only when it's cold enough. And very, very early in the morning, like 5.30 when it's very, very cold, they're out there running their dogs. And we're also currently going to start having mountain bike orienteering course laid out on the farm pretty soon after an event that happens. And I'm also trying to get trail running happening. More and more people are starting to use the farm for trail running. So I want to get that officially up and running and put some trail running courses in place. Okay, so there's, there's lots of activity happening on the farm. But from a mountain bike perspective... Uh, I, I mean, I, I mentioned that a lot of guys and girls in Joburg ride out there. I mean, tons do. You go there on weekends and it's packed. Uh, sort of the local community there, I mean, it, it, it borders pretty much on Dipsluit. Have you guys had any security issues or, 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 or that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, security is always a concern in, in South Africa. And um, the reality is we, we have quite a bit of physical security on the farm, which people don't see, but that's the whole object. You know, a couple of years ago, I'm talking, oh, it must have been four years ago, five years ago now, we did have one incident on the physical farm where, where a guy was, was almost potentially hijacked. Um, but nothing happened. He got away and we've never had an incident since then. We did have an incident with a guy that was hijacked on the Johannesburg water land, but wasn't in the actual mountain bar per se. It was on a section where people actually were not allowed to be and he was hijacked. And we've actually, in the one section which was the most dangerous, which everybody used to love, was there was that rock garden that used to drop down and go underneath the, the N14. We closed that section off because that section, um, to keep people secure near the N14 in there, is not safe. But in the last four years, we've had an incident. Um, and like I said, we pay, we pay a, a month, a month every month to a security company that's on the farm that people don't see but do their job very well. Yeah, and, and let's talk about the local community. One of the things you guys are doing is trying to give back to the local community. And you've got a whole bunch of kids that, that you've introduced to mountain biking and, and teaching them life skills and that sort of thing. Tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah, the Dipsworth Development Project. That's the real reason why I got involved with the farm because it's such a, um, it's a place where we can give back. Um, you know, being, being one of the only non-profit mountain bike parks in South Africa, we take all the profit that we, that we take from the, from the ticket entries and we put that back into the community. So we take kids from Dipslurt. Usually on a two- to three-month basis, we have an average of 30 to 40 kids that come through our development program where we teach them a few skills. Um, we teach them how to mountain bike, obviously. We also teach them life skills, and we also feed them sometimes. And we've had, we've had in the last eight years since that project's been running, we've had hundreds of kids come through that. And we've also had uh, quite a few successes. I mean, we've... We're currently in the um, high school uh, cross-country series that is happening. We've had numerous of those kids that have come through that and have podium finishes. We're currently one of the guys, um, William is currently lying, who came through the Dipslurk project and actually now heads it up and runs it for us. He's 
currently placed second in the Gauteng Cross Country Series. We've also had two of the people, William being one and Rosie another, who were just recently selected to represent South Africa at Cross Country World Championships, which is happening here in Marisburg right now. So that, that's also been encouraging, you know, that they've come off the streets, they've gone nowhere, and they've actually developed and gone somewhere to the point where William now is giving back to society, giving back to the community, and really going somewhere. I mean, it's, it's really such a great thing to see. I mean, we've had guys go through, I mean, last, this year's Epic, we had six of the graduates from the farm ride the Epic this year, and William has finished the Epic twice. I mean, and just to give you an idea of the life skills that we teach them, I don't know if people remember in the Xara team, one Xara team was going ahead and they're going to win in that development category. And then they had a puncture or something on the last day or the second last day, and the other team stopped to help them. Well, that other team was William and Luke, two guys that have come through our academy. So um, cool. And just the life skills to teach to say it's not about winning always, it's about helping your fellow human beings. So that's always been great. Yeah, and that's such a cool story. I'm sitting here with goosebumps. I love I love hearing things like that. For for people who, who maybe are Joburg-based or, or maybe they're around the country and when they do come up to Joburg, they're always looking for a place to ride. Uh, what's the easiest way to access the farm? Tell us a little bit about how it works with regards to, to payment and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, if you just want to walk off the entry ticket, you can buy it at the gate on the day. Oh, I, I can't even remember. I think it's 30 rand. Um, if you want multi-access, you can buy a 10-access ticket or a 20-access ticket. I think the 20-access ticket works out to 15 rand an entry, so 300 rand, I think, for that. Um, they just go pay at the gate. They get tipped at the gate there by a good old man, Stimmerl. Actually, Stimmerl's quite a character. If you ever drive in in the morning, ask Stimmerl how he's doing, and he'll always say, fresh, man, fresh. He's <laughs> <laughs> always quite to smile to my face whenever I drive in. And then they enter, and we've got a number of routes marked up currently on the farm. Um, like I said, we've we've got four main routes. We've got a pink route, which is our kids' route. It's six kilometers. It stays 100% on farm road. Nothing technical whatsoever, but just a nice little route for the kiddies to go on and do that for 6Ks. We've got a green route, which goes up to 12 kilometers. Um, that has, I think, about 200 meters of single track in it. We then go on to the blue route, which has a lot more single track, but nothing too technical. No rock gardens, no major obstacles, just a lot of single track. We then go to the red route, which is 38 kilometers. Obviously, now we're incorporating a little bit more obstacles, one or two drop-offs, and a little bit of rock gardens. And then the black route, which is currently 55, but I hope uh, in the next year or two to maybe to get it up to 65, where you have quite a bit of rock gardens towards in the last 30 kilometers of that. You have quite a few rock gardens, some drop-offs, and some nice technical stuff. I mean, the one section of the black route, from when you when people look at the signs that are named up for what we call Suicide Alley, to when they finish at the end of Hunter's Trail, is 18 kilometers of non-stop. Actually, correction, I've just added another two. 20 kilometers of non-stop single track. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's cool. I mean, what, what I love about Northern Farm is that there's something for everyone, that it doesn't matter what level you are, uh, as soon as you sort of start building confidence, there's, there's something that can take you the step up. And I think that's, that's really important when, when it comes to, to safe and uh, safe places to ride. So I think what you guys are doing there, uh, awesome. As far as races that go, have you got anything in the pipeline coming up soon? Yeah, there's a couple of events coming up at the moment. Um, on Let me get the dates right. On the 7th of September, we have a night series race, um, which is which is hosted by a company called Shift Concept. They've got an 8-kilometer trail run and a 20-kilometer and 40-kilometer mountain bike section. That's on the 7th of September. 
um, by Shift Concepts. I can give you the website address if you want. Yeah, that's cool. It's just Shift Concepts, one word, .co.za, and you can go on and enter there. They are looking for so they're probably full already. Those are amazing. The vibe that Gavin turns there, puts on in those events is awesome. The night field is great. And then on the 8th of September, the next morning, we have the orienteering guys um, coming and doing some mountain bike orienteering. Now, if you've never done orienteering before and you love mountain biking, it's a new concept to get involved with. If you don't know what it's about, you basically have to follow a set route. They give you a map. They have five or six or ten points on it, and, and you have to navigate to those points in that order and clip off when you've done them. Um, so that's, that's orienteering, and that information can be found at orienteering.co.za under the events tab. There's a whole thing called mountain bike orienteering. And then for me, the big one that we have coming is the 21st, uh, 27th of September, the 27th of September, which is the, the Bainbridge Believe Project Race. That's, um, Mr. Bainbridge, his child died of cancer and he every year runs, runs, runs the Believe Project and every year he runs the Bainbridge Believe Race at Northern Farm where we put on an event which is to have a 25 kilometers or 55 and 100% all the profits from that race go towards cancer research. So that's a big one for us, and we really put a lot of energy into making sure that's a great race for the people. So those are the ones that are coming up right now. Cool. Ian, have you guys got a website as well that if people want to find out more, they, they can about Northern Farm? Yeah, we've got a website. It's called northernfarm.co.za. I often joke, people often say Northern Farms, and I often joke about saying, I wish wish I could find the other farm so I could build more mountain tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is northernfarm.co.za. Um, and you can find us there. Brilliant. Ian, what I'll do is I'll take all those web addresses as well, and I'll pop them up on our website. So if somebody's listening to this, they can just go to uh, mountainbiketalksa.co.za, just look for the show notes for this episode, and they'll all be there. They can link straight through. Ian Hoy, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing at Northern Farm, and if there's anything we can do, if you've got races that coming up in the future, please let us know, and we'll, we'll be more than happy to sort of uh, give you guys a bit of coverage here on, on the show. Thanks a lot, and thanks for all the work you're doing for spreading the, the good word of mountain biking across South Africa. And that's about it for this week on Mountain Bike Talk SA. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, at MTB Talk SA is our Twitter handle. You can follow us there. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MTB Talk SA. Love hearing from you, and you can pop me an email too if you'd like. Podcast at mtbtalk.co.za it is easy as that if you do listen to this podcast on iTunes if you wouldn't be uh, or if you would be so kind as to just leave a, a rating and a review for us it would be amazing uh, we're getting some great ones coming through as well up to 8 5 star ratings on the podcast already got a review in from We Believe that's the name on it and it says, awesome podcasts, keep them coming. We believe, thank you so much for uh, just taking the time, the few seconds, to pop your name uh, onto iTunes and let us know what you think of these podcasts. From myself, Brad Brown, until next week, have yourself a fabulous one, and we'll chat soon. Cheers. Cheers.